Support for this broadcast of Two Rivers 30 Minutes comes in part from a grant from Striffler's Family Funeral Homes. From TubeCityOnline.com, this is Two Rivers 30 Minutes, a weekly series of interviews with people making news around the McKeesport area. Produced by Tube City Community Media Incorporated, a nonprofit corporation. I'm Jason Toger, the executive director. On this show, we talk one-on-one with elected officials, community leaders, and others who are trying to make a difference in the Monyoc area. And we also take your questions and comments on Facebook and Twitter at Tube City Online. Interesting, important milestone uh, in November. November 2nd actually was the 100th anniversary of the beginning of what many consider to be the start of commercial radio broadcasting at KDKA in Pittsburgh. And that actually happened in East Pittsburgh. It happened at what was then the old Westinghouse Electric plant. Uh, For the last, well, we're going to let our guest explain this for a little while, but for the last few decades, that plant has been called Keystone Commons. It is one of 15 industrial parks in the Pittsburgh area that is operated by the Regional Industrial Development Corporation. They also operate the city center of Duquesne in our broadcasting backyard, as well as the industrial center of McKeesport. Our guest this morning is Don Smith, Jr. He's president and CEO of RIDC. He's going to tell us a little bit about what they do and about uh, hopefully maybe some of the history of those sites, but also the future of those sites and some of the present day things that are going on there. Uh, Good morning, Don. Good morning. Pleasure to be with you. It's it's a pleasure to have you with us. Um, Some very interesting people walked the hall. First of all, tell us what Keystone Commons is. It actually spans East Pittsburgh and Turtle Creek. Tell us about some of the tenants and and what happens over at that site. Yeah, so Keystone Commons uh, is uh, really was the first big multi-tenant industrial facility that RIDC took over and repurposed uh, over 30 years ago. And so it, it uh, is about 2 million square feet of buildings on a 90-acre site right along Turtle Creek, just, uh, just upstream from uh, the Edgar Thompson Works. And it was the Westinghouse Generator Production Facility. So George Westinghouse's office was there, and they built the big uh, turbines that powered the United States economy for so long right there in Turtle Creek. But... Uh, you know, the world changed and Westinghouse changed, was acquired by CBS, Viacom, and uh, shifted some of their production, broke up some of the industrial things. And so RIDC acquired the site from Westinghouse uh, and has been uh, redeveloping it ever since. Um, and, and today there's uh, over a thousand jobs on site and, and the site constitutes a pretty significant portion of the tax base in, in uh, Turtle Creek and East Pittsburgh. Uh, and it, it kind of reflects what RIDC does. RIDC is a, a real estate development company, but we are a private, not-for-profit uh, economic development organization. So our goals are really to foster high-quality job creation and to enhance the tax base uh, throughout the region. And, and we operate in the 10-county region of southwestern Pennsylvania. Just to continue for the, with the discussion with Keystone Commons in a bit, but I want to get to some of the uh, exciting things that have happened in at the Duquesne and McKeesport uh, industrial parks in particular. But um, the Keystone Commons is the, the facility that people see when they're on Route 30 if they look off the George Westinghouse Bridge. It's the, the large facility there that is underneath 
part of the bridge and then, as you said, stretches up towards the borough of Turtle Creek. And in addition to the Westinghouse generator work, uh, of course, again, it was the the site of KDKA back in 1920. Uh, I believe Vladimir Zworkin did some of his uh, invention of the television cathode ray tube there. Uh, George Westinghouse, like you said, had his office there. there there's a lot of history at that site. And it, it occurs to me that RIDC is custodians of a lot of historical sites. The the site in Duquesne, you have preserved some of the old buildings there. You've preserved and reused some of the old buildings uh, at the McKeesport, uh, what was the U.S. Steel National Works. Um, I, I, your, your, your role is not really historic preservation, right? I mean, that's not really what you mainly do, but what is the value of preserving some of these old buildings and then repurposing them and reusing them for new uses? Yeah, it, it is. A, it's an interesting question because there are some certainly that we've had to take down mm-hmm. because they just weren't economically viable or structurally viable uh, for redevelopment. But, you know, in every case, I think we feel like you can't recreate the authenticity and the character and the scale and the grandeur of these industrial buildings, as well as the fact that in, in most of these cases, you're talking about McKeesport, Duquesne, Turtle Creek, even Hazelwood. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, these were the identity of these towns or these big industrial sites. And so <clears throat> to a certain extent, because it, it creates an asset that we can't recreate, but also because it, it, it pays homage and honor to all the great work that went on there that really created our region and made these cities and towns in which they're located great places uh, so it, it is uh, with a nod towards historical preservation or historical acknowledgement, as well as, you know, we're constantly evaluating what's the best way, the most cost effective way to bring these facilities online and to make them attractive to today's companies so we can bring more jobs and taxes to the communities in which we operate. Uh, Don Smith is president and CEO. I have your titles correct? Of, yes. Of RIDC, uh, Regional Industrial Development Corporation, RIDC.org, if you are interested in learning more about them or about any of the facilities where they have space available, if you have a business that is looking for space. Do customers, do clients uh, look for historic buildings? I want to get into the Hazelwood uh, uh, site, for instance, at the old JNL Steelworks, but there seems to be especially with younger people and with some of the startup businesses, they want to be located in a historic site. They want to be integrated into kind of the, the fabric of the neighborhood. Are they, do they come to you looking for these things? Yeah, I, I don't know how many people we actually get to come say, I want to be in a historic building. Sure. But when you take them to the sites and they see the, the character of these buildings and you can just sort of feel, in some cases, it almost feels like you can hear the history uh, of the production that went on at these facilities. Uh, it really creates a great vibe and a, and, a, and a great authenticity to it that you know, you look at a place like Mill 19 in Hazelwood, mm-hmm. uh, where we kept the superstructure and then built these really high-tech, modern, uh, super sustainable buildings underneath it. You kind of get the best of both worlds. You you get the sense of the scale and the grandeur of the steel mill that was there, the bar mill, 1,500 feet long, 75 feet to the, to the peak, uh, just massive amounts of steel and concrete, uh, a, a place that, that really fueled the war effort for the United States back in World War II uh, and built the industrial age. Um, and today it's being transformed by technology companies who love these young workers that you're talking about, who really appreciate the fact that it has that authentic feel. It has that nod to history. It's not uh, a cookie cutter square box uh, that you can work at anywhere in the world. 
uh, it, it really gives you a unique asset and unique environment. And, and we find that the, a lot of the technology companies and a lot of their young workers in particular really value that and they, they like being in that kind of environment. So the trick really is how you add kind of the modern amenities that people need, the sustainability and energy efficiency and, and the functionality while preserving uh, the look and the feel and, and, and the history of these great sites. Well, let's talk about Mill 19 for a second. Don Smith uh, Jr. is president and CEO of Regional Industrial Development Corporation. We're talking about the 15 different parks, uh, industrial parks uh, that they operate throughout the region, ridc.org. We'll get you more information. That facility has been, or the first tenants, I guess, started moving in there about a year ago now? Yes, Carnegie Mellon and their uh, their Advanced Robotics for Manufacturing Consortium were the first tenants on site. Uh, and uh, they were in the first building. They're, they're up and operating. Um, of course, restricted somewhat by the uh, current pandemic. Um, but really a great story there of how the universities are taking their technology and their talent and attracting corporate partners, spinning out new companies, uh, refining technologies that are going to help drive our region's economy forward in the next 40 years. Uh, And so they're there in the first building. The second building is fully occupied by a company called Motional. It's a joint venture between Aptiv and Hyundai, and it is an autonomous vehicle uh, company. So they're there doing, uh, doing... their R&D and development on their autonomous vehicle products. They've taken the entirety of the second building. And we have a third building that's in design right now and talking to a number of other technology companies, including some life science uh, technology companies in in addition to the IT side or engineering side uh, to to really bring that site uh, to life and and bring jobs back to the Hazelwood community. Uh, And it's uh, it's been a remarkably challenging uh, project to bring to fruition, but uh, the success and the the satisfaction that Carnegie Mellon and Catalyst Connection and, and Motional uh, and their employees feel being part of that site and part of the history and, and really creating the future uh, is really exciting for us. And it's the kind of project that is tailor-made for our IDC. It was kind of pioneering, proof of concept. Mm-hmm. We're going to have to be uh, patient yeah. to see any return on this project. <laughs> because the investment up front was, was rather significant. Uh, and, and so uh, it really is a great testament to how you can bring these old sites back to life and how all the great things that are going on in the region today uh, are going to repopulate the places that represented the great things that went on in our region for the last hundred years. I, I want to talk a little bit more about this. We're, we're going to have a break to take here in a minute or two, but I would have to guess that some of the challenges down there were environmental. I mean, it was that Hazelwood site, which stretches along 2nd Avenue and Irvine Street there. Uh, the, the portion that we're talking about is is right up smack up against the neighborhood of, of Hazelwood, where the houses and the, the shopping district is. Um, I, for a long time, was a Coke plant, was a coal byproducts plant. I assume there were some pretty heavy environmental challenges that had to be remediated. Well, there were some challenges, but fortunately, they, they really weren't at the uh, extreme end of the steel mill sites that we've seen mm-hmm. either in our region or, or across the country. So we, we did have to do some remediation. The structure itself had some asbestos-containing materials, had some lead paint. Um, there were some groundwater issues, but they were actually relatively modest, okay. given that it was a coke works. Yeah. So there was a, a great deal of testing and monitoring that went on uh, all over the site to sort of track and make sure uh, of what was going on underneath. And uh, and that's all been remediated. 
And, and that was part of the expense, both the, the discovery, but then also the remediation. Uh, and then, you know, it, it does cost more to build new buildings under the old structure yeah, and sure. preserve some of that, that old character. But we think the finished product has really made it, uh, made it worth all the effort. Uh, and fortunately, our tenants are saying so as well. So that's good. I, I'm just thinking, too, there's probably 140 some years of buried infrastructure there because, you know, Jones and Lachlan and then LTV Steel, they built something and then they tore it down and then something else was built on top of it. And that was torn down. And uh, you're probably doing some archaeology there in, in, <laughs> as well as remediation. Well, we were almost required to do a lot more archaeology really? because the Historical Museum Commission thought we should excavate the site. But... Sure. Uh, DEP said, uh, you know, it's best not to do that with some of these sites. <laughs> uh, it, it creates a little more environmental exposure when you do that. Um, but yeah, we, 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 uh, RIDC was the general partner for the Almano partners during the redevelopment of the land portion of, uh, of that site. And so we basically put entirely new infrastructure in. So new roads, new water, new sewer, new electric, um, new gas, all that had to be put in new because the old infrastructure was really based around rail and sure. river. Mm -hmm. And so getting people and product uh, connected by road uh, and with the modern utility infrastructure required investment in an entirely new set of infrastructure. Uh, and thankfully, we had partners like the foundations that we have here yeah. in Pittsburgh who uh, really bankrolled a lot of that infrastructure along with the state and the county. Uh, to provide the sort of level playing field that could then be a home for development and bring those companies uh, to the region. Let's pause right there and uh, take a 30-second break. Don Smith is president and CEO of Regional Industrial Development Corporation. We're talking specifically about the sites that they operate in the Mon Valley area where our radio station partners in McKeesport and Braddock are located, but they are in 10 counties in southwestern Pennsylvania. You can learn more at ridc.org. We'll be right back. Support for this broadcast comes from Strifler's Family Funeral Homes. Since 1866, Strifler's has provided compassionate professional memorial services for families in White Oak, McKeesport, Dravosburg, Portview, and the surrounding areas. Strifler's offers comprehensive pre-planning services and aftercare. And through its affiliated company, Design Monuments, Strifler's also provides permanent markers and memorials crafted in stone, bronze, and other high-quality materials. Learn more at strifler's.com or call 4 I want to get more into to McKeesport and Duquesne and also a little bit into East Pittsburgh and Turtle Creek, but I want to sort of finish this this conversation about Hazelwood. You have started to restore restore the street grid down there. There is a pedestrian-friendly but also vehicle access road now through that site, which there probably hasn't been in 80 years, 100 years, that, that is now, that site is now reconnected to the neighborhood. It is. And I think, you know, one of the things that uh, we're certainly mindful of is you take a look at something like the Pittsburgh Technology Center, which was absolutely positively pathbreaking and revolutionary in its day. We've learned a lot since then about how you create more of an urban and neighborhood feel on some of these sites when we redevelop them. You look at the waterfront, which took a site that was abandoned uh, and had nothing going on and, and brought all the, the retail and residential and now office kinds of things uh, to that site, but it didn't connect well with the neighborhood mm. uh, for a variety of reasons. And so, again, it was great step forward in its day. We need to learn from what worked and what didn't, and then make sure that the next one we do is even better. Right. So at Hazelwood Green, uh, reconnecting all the street grids, making it very pedestrian friendly, bike trails, 
reconnecting the community to the river. So getting people down to the river so they can experience the fact that it is a river community mm -hmm. was really important. And those were design characteristics that our, our philanthropic partners uh, also emphasized and supported and, and enabled us to move forward with a plan that would do that. Uh, because as I like to say, we're doing this with the community of Hazelwood, not in the community of Hazelwood. Uh, and so, you know, we've learned that you really need to do this in partnership with the community. And, and we try to embrace and reflect as many of the aspirations that the community has as we can. Uh, of course, we have to, you know, we're slaves to economic reality as well. We, we have to pay for our projects. So we don't get government funding for our operations. So we're a standalone organization. And so we have to do things that work. But because we're not for profit, we can take a longer view of what things that work means. Uh, and we don't have shareholders demanding, um, you know, the high rates of return. It allows us to to take the careful and thoughtful approach and and hopefully do it right. You you've touched on something that let's let's talk a little bit about our the sites in in McKeesport and uh, Duquesne that you operate. Don Smith Jr. is president and CEO of Regional Industrial Development Corporation. He's our guest this morning. The Hazelwood Green site was oriented towards river and rail transportation. And in fact, they didn't want the general public coming through a heavy industrial site. The McKeesport and Duquesne sites were the same way. Now you have restored the street grid into both of those sites. You can now drive directly through the Duquesne site, but it was a long and complicated process for you to get flyover ramps built both in Duquesne and McKeesport because otherwise you were, you had a railroad grade crossing to get into those sites. We, we just signed a, a couple of exciting new deals in Duquesne and McKeesport uh, and both parks have, have experienced uh, pretty good results, really, in the last you know half a dozen years. And, and I attribute a lot of that to the flyover ramps. Uh, so Allegheny County um, and, uh, and the state of Pennsylvania, Senator Brewster was instrumental, uh, Dan Honorado, Rich Fitzgerald, instrumental uh, in, in helping to get those flyover ramps um, constructed. My friends at PennDOT. And uh, so that made a huge difference because both of those sites are cut off by rail. And so if you're moving product to market and, and you have to move quickly, and sometimes those are very active rail lines yeah. with some very long freight trains, uh, you can uh, you can get stuck yeah. in the site before the flyover ramps were there. Uh, and it was pretty inconvenient as well as a public safety issue in terms of getting emergency services there if you needed. So the flyover ramps were really critical. And I think it, it's a great example of how the public-private partnerships ideally work to create the environment for new development in these uh, places that really need it uh, and, and to help overcome some of the environmental and infrastructure challenges that some of these former industrial sites have and bring them back into productive reuse. You probably heard some of the same complaints I did, though, in, in both McKeesport and Duquesne. I, you know... Uh, I would have thought it was pretty obvious that you needed flyover ramps, but a lot of people were critical of, well, why are we building these bridges to these sites where there nobody is, right? I think you've kind of answered yeah. that question. There's nobody, you can't get, if you can't get there, then there won't be anybody there. <laughs> I don't yeah, mean to be belittle at the criticism, but it was, it was surprising to me that there was criticism. Gee, I've never heard any criticism of those sites. Well played. Yeah. Of course. But yeah. uh, no, I think people, people, uh, very rightly wanted to see those sites reused mm -hmm. and they were frustrated at the slow pace as were we. Uh, we have a significant investment sitting there and, and until we get companies in there, it it, uh, it just eats. Yeah, uh, sure. And so we had to carry those sites. So, 
I, I think we were all frustrated by how long it took and, and the economic conditions that made it difficult uh, to do that. And, and certainly with the state budget being under the pressures that it's been under for the last you know, 20 years. Yeah, sure. Um, they've gutted the DCED budget. There used to be a lot more funds available for projects like this. And, and there was a philosophy that said, yeah, we don't want to spend on economic development. It's corporate welfare or it's, sure. you know, these kinds of things. And, and I think, you know, what happened is there were some bad projects that were done and people used those to gut good programs. So even good programs can be used on bad projects. But I think when you see the impact that flyover ramps have had in Duquesne and McKeesport and some of the other public investments in economic development, you know, I challenge anybody to show a better return on investment than the public dollars that have gone into RIBC sites and the number of jobs and the tax base creation that's resulted from that. And I think that's why we've had such good support from our public sector partners, you know, Austin Davis, mm -hmm. Jim Brewster, kind of executive Rich Fitzgerald, Jay Costa, you know, state senator. They, they've just been great partners, Wayne Fontana, because yeah. we deliver. But you had a large tenant at the McKee Sports site that left, I guess it'd be 12 or 13 years ago now, Echo Star slash Dish Network. And that was one of the complaints they had because there was, they had employees arriving at work late because they were waiting at the railroad crossings. Yeah, the Echo Star, you know, loss was a big loss for mm -hmm. that project. That was a huge anchor. Uh, and it's taken an enormous amount of time to backfill that space. Yeah. Um, you know, we have seen some good things going on in McKeesport, uh, certainly consolidated pipe. Uh, expanding into the former Maglev building. Yep. Uh, they're doing very well. Weir Valve moved into the building that Consolidated was in um, that people might remember as the Total Marine Services building. Hockenstein uh, Contracting, I think, is down there now. River Materials. Uh, they've actually moved out, but that space has been oh, okay. backfilled. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, you know, the gas company and uh, and Duquesne Light, Light have both established service centers. Yep. American Textile, which has been an, an anchor tenant in Duquesne for many years, Um expanded into some of the warehouse space that Steel City Products yep. used to be in. Uh, and so they've made uh, another investment and commitment of jobs into that that uh, part of the Mon Valley. Uh, river Materials is uh, taken the, the tail of the site, which is kind of confined by the river and the rail, uh, and is using the, uh, they've restored the old barge facility that was there to bring in materials by river and then distribute them. That is the site that is directly underneath the McKeesport-Duquesne Bridge. They would not have been interested in that without, for instance, the flyover ramp. Because how were they going to get trucks if, in and out? If you've got to move that material to market, you know, being able to do that on your schedule uh, is really important. So the flyovers are really important. And having an already permitted barging facility was also a key asset uh, that the site had that we were able to activate. But, uh, you know, you need good partners like River Materials in order to do that. Um, we've also seen, you know, the uh, medical marijuana revolution yep. has created some opportunity with uh, First Pure Pen. They've now been acquired by Truly uh, down in the McKeesport site, and, and they've uh, employed quite a few people on the site, and they continue to invest. They've constructed a whole new building there. Are they in that building now, or is it complete? Or are they? I, I wrapping up? they are in okay. and operating in that building. So mm -hmm. yeah, they've been uh, they've been a great story of success and growth. You know, we're still hopeful for Dorabond. Obviously, the conditions yep. have been very challenging. Uh, but that was a major investment. And, and so getting, uh, you know, the Norris family and Durabond in, uh, they've been great partners. And, 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 you know, we're still very optimistic for the future of that facility to create more of those manufacturing jobs that are family sustaining jobs uh, and that are the bedrock of the buying power that brings other businesses into the community. And they are on both sides. They are on both sides of the river now. They are on McKeesport side and the Duquesne side for you, correct? 
That's right. They have a, a new facility where they do the coating uh, in the Duquesne site. So they've been there for a while. And then they did, uh, they did take over the uh, USX tube works uh, in the Keysport site as well and have been retooling that to put that back into uh, production. Uh, so they're a significant employer in, in, in the Mon Valley uh, and really uh, been a great, great company to work with. And, and I'd be remiss if I didn't also say that, you know, Mayor Cherepko has been a great partner and his administration, uh, they've really been very helpful in working with us, uh, always subtly encouraging us to do more, better, yeah. faster. Uh, but we need that kind of prompt. Uh, but they've also been been great partners and, and helped us achieve the deals that we've been able to achieve. And, and, and they've been, uh, you know, always willing to answer the phone, always yeah. willing to pitch in. And, and help out. And, and that, that public-private partnership, again, is really critical for economic development. Uh, Don Smith is president and CEO of Regional Industrial Development Corporation. That's what we are talking about. Uh, they work in 10 counties in southwestern Pennsylvania, but we are specifically talking about uh, the Mon Valley sites, McKeesport, Duquesne, and Hazelwood. Uh, you can learn more at ridc.org. Uh, we, we have only a few minutes left. I want to touch on something that, that you brought up, the, the, as you put it, the uh, gentle persuasion uh, that the mayor of McKeesport and the mayor of Duquesne and, and some of the other elected officials have done. One thing I often hear uh, in the Mon Valley area is why is there not housing on these sites? I, I have been asked that question probably a dozen times. Why is there not riverfront housing in, in Duquesne or McKeesport? Is that something you've explored or is that something that's outside of the purview of RIDC? Well, both. <laughs> yeah. um, we, we, we have explored it a little bit. I mean, both sites are what we call Act Two sites. Okay. So they've been cleared under the uh, the Pennsylvania Land Recycling Act, uh, which specifically was put in for brownfield redevelopment, and and it deals with the environmental risks and management of those risks on those old industrial sites. So there are some more significant restrictions on residential activity because of the industrial nature of those sites and and kind of what's in the soil. Mm-hmm. Sure. So that's one constraint. I think up until more recently, there was not a lot of interest from residential developers on those sites. Sure. Uh, and, and we don't do residential. I mean, we, we've done one or two projects in our history. And But it's right there in your, it's in their name, industrial development, right? I mean, that's... That's right. Yeah, that's your wheelhouse. That's right. And that's our wheelhouse. That's what we think we're, we're pretty good at and have a great team that knows what they're doing. Um, our couple of dabbles into residential have been very unique circumstances where it was more mission oriented and and we've learned that there are other folks who do that better than we do so we partner with residential developers when when we can and when it's appropriate um but it's also true that if you've got some heavy industrial tenants in the parks which we do in both parks um you know commingling residential is tricky yeah uh, because of pedestrian safety issues and um you know the heavy equipment and the materials and things that are that are being uh, uh maneuvered and operated in those parks and so, you know, I, I think what we'd love to see is, is maybe some uh, efforts to work at the fringes of the parks and the yeah. adjacent sites, because obviously uh, for every company today, access to talent and workers is an important characteristic. And so more and better housing, attracting more people into these, uh, into these cities that used to have much larger populations yeah. um, can only help us attract more companies and, and set off that kind of virtuous cycle of more company investment, more jobs, more people, more people brings more companies. And, you know, we get that that positive cycle going. Is that something that you're open to if a developer partner approached you? 
Yeah, I think again, subject to the um, subject to the environmental restrictions that yeah. we have, you know. But the other reality is, is that in in Duquesne, for example, if the uh, in city farms deal goes forward, that was I mean, my next just, question. Yeah, we just closed the the Mealy and Mealy Sons transaction. Uh, they're putting their new headquarters in Duquesne. Uh, both building a new office building and the new maintenance facility and having their yards. And so they're expanding and growing as their business grows. And so it was great to get a, a quality company like that into the park. Uh, In-City Farms is, is looking at a very novel and, and uh, kind of groundbreaking set of uh, urban farming investments that will create a, a significant number of jobs uh, if that's able to go to fruition and, and we're getting close. Don Smith Jr. is president and CEO of Regional Industrial Development Corporation. You can find out more about any of their sites, including Cary Furnace, McKeesport, Braddock, or McKeesport, Duquesne, and Keystone Commons there in East Pittsburgh and Turtle Creek by going to their website, ridc.org. Don, thank you so much for taking a little bit of time this morning to talk with us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. And thank you all for listening this week to Two Rivers 30 Minutes broadcasting from the Tube City Center for Business and Innovation in downtown McKeesport. So long for now. You've been listening to Two Rivers 30 Minutes, copyright Tube City Community Media Incorporated. Opinions expressed on this program are not those of Tube City Community Media Incorporated. Listener support makes this program possible. If you'd like to make a tax-deductible contribution, please visit our website at tubecityonline.com and click on the donate link. You can also get a free subscription to this program and other podcasts at our website using Apple's iTunes or Stitcher.com. If you've got a question or comment, we hope you'll write to us. Our address is Tube City Community Media Incorporated, P.O. Box 94, McKeesport, PA, 15134. You can email us at TubeCityTiger at gmail.com or call us at area code 412-614-9659. And you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at TubeCityOnline. Online.